and welcome back to the Bug and Rogue podcast. As always, my name is Caitlin. As usual, I'm Whitney. And today we are bringing you another story that may or may not keep you up at night. Hopefully by the end of it, we will all still be able to sleep as snug as a bug in a rug. But only time will tell. Only time. The, the amount of time it takes for Whitney to tell me this story is the amount of time it will take to tell if we will be getting some good sleep tonight or not. Yes. Mm-hmm. Maybe sooner. Oh. Maybe later. I don't know. <laughs> There's sometimes where we talk about things and it doesn't hit me until like yeah, a that's few, true. little bit that's later. True. Yeah. Or like the first sentence of your story. I'm like, oh, goosebumps, not sleeping tonight. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess time is like a relative construct. <laughs> Time is made up by the by the government. It's a social construct made up by the government to confine us to a reality that we all hate. I don't know. Have you seen that TikTok where the guy's like, you're trying to tell me that bones are real? Skeletons are just a conspiracy made up by the government to make us buy more milk. I have seen that. <laughs> oh anyway anywho anywho anyway um so like you said time i feel like we're getting lost in it a lot like i always want to say you know we're in the middle of a pandemic Mm -hmm. but like how long are we going to be in the middle yeah we won't actually know that until it's over yeah so and when it's over we can look back and say this was the the middle middle, correct but right now we could be you know six twenty firsts into a I think that fraction reduces. Maybe not, maybe not that one. Twenty five. That's like two over seven. Never mind. Why didn't you just go with an easy one? Because but... I because we don't know. Yeah. Okay. True. Because we could be at like some one of like the really tiny marks on a ruler. Yeah. Rather than. You know what I mean? Yes. Like one of the ones that's not marked, and you have to like count to it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was a sign that we should move along to the actual story. The cats are getting a little bored with our uh, banter. The rambling's on. <laughs> rambling on. Anyway, you know, we're in the middle of a panorama, and there's a lot of people saying, I can't wait to travel again. I can't wait to go on a cruise. Sure. But you and I are not cruise people. No. We are not. I've never been on one. But it's because I'm afraid of the ocean. I've been whale watching before, though, so I guess that really... We've been on, like, a ferry boat. Yeah. But, like, I don't want to know... The cruise ship where I have to be out there for days, and I'm, like... No. In the middle of the mm-hmm. ocean. If I can't see the shore, we sure have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. But um, I believe that, you know, we, we've previously talked about we don't want to go on a cruise ship, so we've had this discussion before about the open water, I know that. Yeah. But I think that today... My story topic will definitely solidify for us that maybe no boats at all. Maybe we just don't do boats. The only boat maybe that I would go on willingly would be a pirate ship if I was recruited to be a pirate. But that's because, like, if if I'm that desperate to sign up to be a pirate, although I wouldn't have to be that desperate, I'm, like, signing. I'm already in the dangerous life. Right, like I'm, I know I'm gonna have to spend my life at sea. Yeah. We're gonna be sword fighting, if, swashbuckling. Right, if the dread pirate Roberts decides to retire and hand his uh, captainship over to, to me, you, yep, I'm gonna be swinging on ropes, abs, the, all of it. Yes, I don't like the ocean because it. We just don't. 
We don't know a lot about it. There's so many sea creatures that could be down there. I mean, they just found a new species of whale. Yeah. For crying out loud. Like, you don't know what whales are out there? Exactly, exactly. Anyway, today... This story's gonna make my fear worse. This story's just gonna make us more sure about our already solid decision. Sure, okay. So today we're gonna be talking about a gentleman who is, in my mind, a hero, just for, like, his resilience in general. Um, His name is Mr. Harrison Okene, O-K-E-N-E, and I listened to someone else say his name to him and him not correct them, so I'm assuming that's (laughs) That's how you say it. (laughs) Sure, 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 absolutely. And he um, is a chef from Nigeria. Oh, okay. On a boat? Well, yes, but you want to know that, well, used to be on a boat. Right. We'll get there. Well, I'm assuming, since we're talking about boats, I just put two and two together, and he was going to be on that boat. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Segways are cool. So in May 2013, Harrison Okene was a 29-year-old working aboard the Jackson 4, not to be mistaken for the (laughs) The Jackson Jackson 5, (laughs) and in some resources, it's called the Jaskin J.A. S-C-O-N. Okay. So it kind of depends on where you look about what the boat was called. Sure. But anyway, the ship was one of three tugs, which was sent to stabilize an oil tanker in the Niger Delta. Now, the Niger Delta is a water delta off the coast of Nigeria and is the prime location for obtaining oil of the time. Okay. And a water delta, I had to look this up too because I about geography in general but deltas are like wetland areas that form from different rivers emptying their water into a larger body of water like an ocean okay so there is an oil tanker here that was having some trouble and so he was on one of the three tugboats that went out to give assistance essentially right him and his team were there to stabilize the oil tanker sure and just kind of be the support team yeah okay so he did this a lot it was kind of dangerous you know oil tankers I don't exactly relate them to deadliest catch, but I would say that, like... (laughs) I mean, oil does catch on fire a lot. You don't want it to spill into the ocean. If he's on a tug... I mean, if his job is to be on a tugboat that provides assistance to other boats, then it's going to be a little bit dangerous, probably. If your small boat has to stabilize a big Big boat... boat, Yeah, then there's probably some trouble, yeah. (laughs) It takes three of you to do that. (laughs) It's not exactly safe. Right. So, Mr. Okene served as the chef aboard the Jackson 4 uh, for 10 Nigerian crewmates and a Ukrainian captain. Were the other two boats named the Jackson 2 and 3? No, it's actually the 1 and 3. We don't know what happened to 2. It's a fun little joke between crewmates. No, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. 1, 3, 4. What happened to 2? <laughs> Whoa, well, we haven't seen the Jackson 2 in over 50 years. <laughs> Don't get me started on the Jackson 5. <laughs> Sorry, continue, continue. Anyway, um, four of the ten Nigerian crew members were brand new graduates from Nigeria's Maritime Academy. Our time! Maritime! Our time! Maritime! Couldn't get away from that one. Say it with me. You thought I was going to forget our Maritime chant. chant. Oh, goodness. Not going to lie, I had me in the first Oh, man, step. four graduates out of ten... That are, like, brand new. Yeah. Plus the captain. Yeah. And the captain, I mean, obviously, is probably more experienced than the four new graduates. No, he's also a graduate. (laughs) But anyway, the four new graduates, you know, it's one of their first trips out to sea. Boy, yeah. So, you know, new crew, fresh crew, they were all pretty close. You have to be. You work really closely together. Yeah, you live together, eat together, breathe together, bathe together. Well, I don't know about that one, but... 
This just sounds really dumb, but in my mind, like, bathing when you live on a boat just seems ridiculous. <laughs> oh, no! You get so salty. I know, I know, I know, I know. Okay. What if you get peppery? I mean, it's all over. Okay, anyway. I did a little bit of spice. Anyway, so um, the entire crew on May the 25th, 2013, turned in for the night as they always did. They locked their cabin doors, which was a safety measure in case there was an attack by pirates in the middle of the night. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, like. I mean, pirates are a thing. Yes. They're just not what we think about. They're more prevalent than I think what we think they are. Yeah, we we picture skull and crossbones, old time battle pirate ships, Mm -hmm. and that's not what they are. Now they're all ghost pirates. No. Anywho. So they lock their doors just in case. They all live in separate rooms? Yeah, everybody kind of had their own cabin. Okay. Well, I mean, there's only ten of them, I guess, so yeah. it wouldn't be that difficult. I don't know how big a tug is, but I think it's, like, a decent size. Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably. So they lock themselves in at night. Sure. I mean, um, I'm sure their rooms aren't that big anyway. No. Pretty secure. Um, and they went to bed. Okay. Around 4.30 a.m. on May the 26th, Mr. Okene got up before his crewmates, as he always did, in order to make breakfast. Oh, because he's a chef. Because he's a chef, and the first thing that he did was? Uh, uh, brush his teeth. Is that the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? Um, well, I feed Greg first thing, my fish. Um, go to the bathroom? Yes. Okay. Yes. To brush his teeth. He's like, like, what's the first thing I do when I get up in the morning? But I don't know why. What's the first thing I do in the morning? I play on my phone for 20 minutes. <laughs> no, I immediately go to the restroom and and release the water. <laughs> I don't know why. Anyway, you went to the bathroom at 4.30. At 4.30. Uh, in the morning wearing, of May 26th, Right, just wearing his boxers. That's like all he had on because he just got up. He's like, I'm sure. Yeah. So he was still groggy from sleep when he was completely surprised uh, as the vessel gave a sudden lurch and then started turning over. Oh, God. So his boat jerked and then started, like, tipping. Uh, that's bad news, Bears. That's real bad news. So he was actually thrown from one toilet cubicle into another in the process. <laughs> right, sure. And, like, the thing is, like, well... Well, it doesn't matter, like, what you're doing, like, on a boat or an airplane. If something starts to go wrong, there's literally nothing you can do except try to get out. Yeah. Well, the airplane, not really, but a boat. But <laughs> <laughs> well, there's parachutes. But, like, you can't, you can't just be like, oh, everybody lean to the right and we'll be fine. Like, that's not, you know what I mean? That You just have to hope that the boat goes back to the right position. Yeah, or that you can find a way out once it stops, like, turning. turning. Yeah. Once he was kind of able to get his bearings, Okene moved out of the restroom and then tried to find a vent as he moved from one room to another to try and, like, figure out a way to get out, basically. Right, because if the doors aren't leading up, you have to find a way to get up to get to the top of the boat if you can't climb. Okay, sure. Right. Sure. I mean, I'm making this up, but I'm assuming that's what was going on. Yeah, I mean, he was trying to find a way to get out. As he went along, he would prop open doors mm-hmm. because he was like, well, I can't get in there, and he was just, like, moving quickly. Yeah. Um, along his way, he found a life vest, two flashlights, some tools, and a bottle of Coca-Cola, sure. which he put into his pockets and pressed forward. Mm-hmm. Eventually, he found a large cabin in the ship that felt fairly safe considering the situation and did the only thing he could do at that point 
Um, he knew the boat was sinking. He knew he wasn't going to be able to get out. Yeah. Every door he went to that would lead out was, like, water rushing in. Right. So he barricaded himself in this room to try and keep as much water from coming in as possible. Sure. And sat down and waited. Oh, God. So, as he waited, Okene worried about his mother and his friends and his wife of five years and was like, I still haven't had a kid yet. I right. gotta start a family. And he worried about his shipmates. Well, sure, because if he's going through, if if he was awake and nobody else was coming out, because I'm assuming he was, like, in the hallway or something, yeah. right? And nobody was, like, coming out yeah. and he didn't see anybody. Right. Well, he, he, in his mind, he's like, I'm sure they got out. I'm the only, probably the only one left. Oh, because he was like, I was in the bathroom. I couldn't get out. Maybe they, like, all ran out. We're, like, they sure, probably sure, sure, had sure. a clear shot to the exit yeah. than I did. that makes sense. His nerves mounted and concern for his crewmates started to rise. So instead of thinking, oh, maybe they all got out, he started hearing thrashing on the other side of the wall. And it sounded like either a barracuda or a shark fighting over something big. And he's like, oh, God, what if what if that's one of my crewmates? No. Like, it could be food that we left on board, but, like, yeah. what if it's a person? Yeah. And the water level in his cabin also was, like, rising at the same time. Sure. So he was like, okay, I got to make sure the the door is shut so that whatever that is can't get in. And then I got to make it so I'm, like, up off of the ground. Right, right. Because then, because if, if he's not floating, then he'd have to, like, sw- stay. Like, he'd have to swim. Like, doggy like keep paddle. swimming. Right, yeah. right. So he... Um, took a rack, he kind of constructed a rack, and then put two mattresses on top of that, and got himself out of the water. Okay. And then I think that he was thinking, if the water meets the mattresses, at least maybe they'll float up. So, at least he's out of the water. Right, right, because if he's on the mattress, the mattress will float. And so he'll be at least on something so he's not having to swim to stay above water. And also, this water's freezing. Yeah, because it's the, I mean, it's in the middle of the ocean. Right. So, he's like, I gotta get dry. I gotta be up above the water and save my strength. Sure. So, he climbed up there, got pretty secure, and he was, and then he started to pray. Sure. He's a very religious man, him and his wife, um... Would always talk about, you know, different Bible verses verses while he was away. And she had actually texted him uh, some Bible verses that night before he went to bed. Yeah. Or the night prior before he went to bed. Um, And it was kind of ironic because the Bible verses she had sent him included the prayer of deliverance. Which states, oh God, by your name, save me. The Lord sustains my life. Hmm. So he remembered that from what he had just read the night before. And so that's what he was reciting. Sure. As he waited yeah after some time had passed and he had no idea how much time exactly it's probably dark too right because it's 4 30 in the morning no yeah. lights are on if the boat sank yeah and he had two flashlights but those only oh, that's last not gonna so help long. you yeah especially if he's inside if he's underwater now there's no way to tell what time it is yeah no no light coming in from yeah. the outside at all so he heard a sound after a while that was similar to a boat engine moving towards him Okay. Um, he couldn't be sure because obviously he's underwater. Yeah. Uh, but he took a hammer and started banging on the wall that would be closest to, like, the hallway. Sure. Okay. Okay. To try and signal anybody if they were, like, rescuers out there. Yeah. He did this for a while and then he got really frustrated because it sounded like that sound moved further away from him. Okay. So it sounded like somebody came and then, like, went. Left. Okay. And he was like, they probably can't find me. Sure. Or maybe they found other people and they took them to shore, but, like, I'm going to die here. Yeah. So he just, all he could do was sit there and pray. 
by now, news of the shipwreck had actually spread. Um, not that he knew, he didn't know yeah. what was going on, but on the outside world, all of the crew's families had been informed that they had most likely perished mm-hmm. in the crash. Sure. A South African dive team was assembled to recover the bodies of the deceased, presumed deceased. Mm-hmm. The divers, uh, Nicholas Van Heerden, Daryl Uthsarian, and Andre Erasmus had been working on a neighboring oil field 120 kilometers or 74 miles away when they were called in to help. Okay, how so, long was this since the crash, do you know? Um, I think it happened fairly quickly, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming, like, as soon as the boat sinks, other people are radioing to be like, hey, we've got a sinking boat, we need people over here, like, now. Yeah, and I don't know how close, like, the other tugs were. Right, right, right. To see it happen, yeah. and it was nighttime, so I don't know how long it took them to realize what was going on. Sure. Um, but recovery efforts took a little bit of time again then because they were 74 miles away and had to get there over there, get their equipment. Yeah. So these divers were like a a professional recovery team basically. Mm -hmm. Sure. And they were told to enter the wreckage with body cameras and they had a crew up on their boat above that could see their video screen just to have like an extra set of eyes. Sure. So after the first four bodies of crewmates were recovered, Uh, A hand was seen that came into the camera frame. Okay. And um, the, I don't know which diver, who's their screen it was, but they were like, yeah, we we saw the hand, like, we're going to turn around and grab them. Yeah. We're just, like, clearing this area. Yeah. But we know there's a body here. Mm -hmm. Um, Until that hand then reached out and grabbed him. Oh, no! Oh, God! (laughs) He, like... was like, oh, my God, it's a survivor. Mm -hmm. They're alive. And, um... Was able to move into that area then and find Mr. O'Kenney. Sure. So from Mr. O'Kenney's point of view, he saw a flashlight Mm -hmm. move into his cabin area. Yeah. And he was so tired. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to have like one chance of. Right. Get catching this person before they leave again. Yeah. So he would say later, I thought to myself, I don't want to scare this guy. Right. But I'm going to have to. (laughs) Right. But also like. They know there's sharks and stuff down here. Yeah. I don't want him to, like, stab me Right, either. true, 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 true. So he, like, very gently, like, reached out and, like, like tapped him. It, yeah. And that's when he just felt a hand hit him. Mm-hmm. And then he reached out and grabbed him. Mm-hmm. And the guy The was, sharks got me! <laughs> the shark grew hands! <laughs> but everyone was really shocked, obviously, because they just thought they were recovering... Bodies. Bodies. Right. They did, there was no reason that someone should have survived. Right, right, right. Like this. I'm sure it's not very likely in shipwrecks. No. So, uh, Tony Walker, who was the manager of the diving company, would later say, It was frightening for everybody. For the guy that was trapped because he didn't know what was happening, it was shock for the diver while he was down there looking for bodies, and we, in the control room, shot back when the hand grabbed him on the screen. So they, like, saw it and jumped, too. Yeah. So the diver who found Mr. Okene uh, first used hot water to try and warm him up, and then gave him an oxygen mask. Yeah. They found him, but his ordeal's not over. Sure. So, he had actually been 30 meters underwater for at least 60 hours. Oof. 30 meters. I mean, that's not terribly far down. Yeah, so he was 98 feet underwater. 98 feet? 98 feet under the water. (laughs) So, uh, he had been 90 feet under the water for 60 hours, 
Um, and the one resource that I read said even rescue divers are told not to stay that deep for more than 20 minutes at a time. Right. Well, yeah, because it's a pressure thing, right? So you have to, because even if you go down or up, you have to wait at certain levels Mm-hmm. So your body gets used to it, and then you can go down further, and then you have to wait so far, mm-hmm. and go down further and wait so far. Exactly. Yeah. So by being in this position, after 24 hours of time, Mr. Okene would have been classified as an aquanaut. So he's an accidental aquanaut. What is an aquanaut? Oh, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know what that means. So an aquanaut is usually a term reserved for scientists or academics who purposefully stay under the water until their body reaches equilibrium with the new pressure it's experiencing. They Mm. can achieve this situation, which is called a state of saturation, when the gases in the air they're breathing diffuse into their tissues. Okay. So basically, the pressure that you're feeling changes the pressure of the gases in your body. Mm -hmm. And until that normalizes, um, your body can't get used to the environment that it's in. Right. So now he's used to where he is. So he's not going to be used to being above surface level. Yeah. So it's a problem for scuba divers, like you said, rescue divers, whoever. Yeah. Just to um, do a deep dive and then come back up. Yeah. But once you've been down here for so long, your body's completely used to it. And it right. takes even longer to kind of Oh, God. Get so he's going to have situation. to wait even longer to go back up. Oh, <laughs> no. Absolutely. So if he were to leave this situation quickly, like if they were to pull him straight to the surface, he would probably die. Right. He would definitely suffer from what's called the bins or decompression sickness. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what you were saying before. Yeah. Um, If you decompress too quickly, the gases will diffuse out of your tissues and form bubbles all through your body. It's like super painful, right? Yes. So it's basically like um, a carbonated drink. Yeah. It'd be like popping the can of a carbonated drink. All the bubbles would rush forth into your um, blood vessels and your joint spaces. And it could cause extreme joint pain, headaches, vision changes, seizures, unconsciousness, paralysis, and like a whole big long list of problems, including death. Um, You know why I know about this? So, so, um, I don't know it thoroughly, but there was an episode of House. Mm -hmm. Are they on an airplane? And they thought this dude was, like, had a super contagious illness because everybody started getting sick. But it turns out that he just didn't decompress right and then got onto an airplane. Mm -hmm. And so he had decompression sickness. And everybody was then paranoid that he had a a contagious illness. So they basically gave it to themselves. Mm -hmm. And House was like, y'all are stupid. I (laughs) love that episode. Yeah, I remember it. Like, it was it was freaky. Yeah, because he's like, you're not sick. But then they started really feeling sick. And then he found, I think, his scuba... licensing scuba divers permit or whatever they carry in his wallet was like this is all well and i just remember because he started he had like a lot of joint pain and stuff and then when they would put a lot of pressure on his joints and stuff he would feel better because Mm -hmm. like it was like he had more pressure on him like he was underwater again exactly yeah but yeah that's what i remember too and it's kind of weird because i feel it's the only episode i remember (laughs) i feel like it's a really obscure i probably made you watch it even though it's an obscure type of thing. I remember that one and then the girl who can't feel pain and she kept saying that she did and House is like, You can't feel this and she ended up having like a tapeworm or something. Oh <laughs> the one I the one I remember is the it's not even part of the main episode. It's like a side story where he keeps having to get clinic hours because he's getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. And the guy brings his little brother in who's like 
not old enough to talk yet. Yeah. And keeps putting things up his nose. Yeah. And House figures out that he put in a fireman, a police officer, and a fire truck. And he's like, this kid's not dumb. He's smart. And he sticks a magnet up there and pulls out a cat. Yeah. And realizes the kid was sending in all these rescue animals. To try to get the cat. To try and get the cat. Yeah. Anyway, so what they do, what they do, how'd they get him out? Well, before I tell you that, I'm going to give you a quiz question. Oh, gosh. What gas is mostly responsible for the bins? What gas that you breathe causes the most, is the biggest percentage of what causes the problem if you decompress too quickly? Nitrogen. Yes. Wait, really? (laughs) Yeah, a lot of the air we breathe is nitrogen anyway, but yeah, nitrogen is the one that usually causes the problem. That one was the one that I actually knew that wasn't super obvious. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> if it was oxygen, I probably wouldn't have asked. Right, right. That's why I was like, hmm. So, anyway, you're right. They have to be really smart about this rescue. They can't just whip him out of there, although I'm sure he, he wanted, wanted to. He wanted to, yeah. He's like, let's risk it. And they're like, no. <laughs> so, once free of the sunken boat, Harrison Okene was put into a decompression t- chamber, which was probably a diving bell, um, which I'll post pictures of. Sure. It's like a little tiny tank um, that you can sit in. And he had to sit there with for, I think, 48 hours as they, like, slowly decompressed him. Did they give him anything to eat? Oh, yeah. Oh, Did he drink that Coca-Cola that he picked up? Oh, that's all he survived on. Yeah, yeah. That is all he survived on. Oh, man. So, um, he sat in there for 48 hours, and I think they could bring that to the surface, but then he has to sit in it while he decompresses. Sure, sure. Um, these things look scary from the outside. It's like a little tube. And you have no control over, like, lowering and raising it when you're inside. Yeah. Like, the people on the outside control the whole thing. Hey, I think that would be better than being in a sunken ship where there's sharks and barracudas. And you're on a mattress with only a Coca-Cola in your boxers. You'd be freezing. Yeah, I I would get in the chamber. a blanket and a hot chalky and I'm good (laughs) to go. Hot chalky and I'm good to go. Oh, man. So, in the process of taking him and putting him in the bell and, like, mm-hmm. raising him up, Okene did lose consciousness for a brief period of time. Mm-hmm. So, when he, you know, was through this whole ordeal and they had brought him all the way to the surface, he went to the hospital. Yeah. And he was actually in the hospital until uh, June the 1st. So, it's really only a couple of days. But sure. he did have to stay there and be monitored. Um, well, I mean, he hadn't eaten for a few days you know what i mean like at that yeah. point and he was probably dehydrated for sure like had, severely i'm sure he had hypothermia yeah so i mean that doesn't yeah. surprise me at all another thing that they can do and i don't know if he had to go through this but if you're suffering from the bins they can put you in a hyperbaric oxygen chamber which is like pressurized oxygen sure. and um, it's great for wounds it helps you heal up quick <laughs> but i think that that's probably one option that they could have done while he was recovering, recovering. yeah um, when he finally was recovered, they let him know, you know, you're the only person that survived this. Right. And he um, said this. They told me all the others had died and I cried because I thought I was the only one who was trapped in the boat. Yeah. So he really had no idea. Yeah. Well, again, if he didn't see anybody, he was probably like, yeah, they felt it tipping and all rushed out, got on a lifeboat. That's really sad. Yeah. What happened? Do they know? Um, I'm not sure. I think they eventually recovered most of the... Oh, um, What happened to the boat? I'm not entirely sure about that either. When you look up this story, it's usually very short. 
and mm-hmm. interviews with him. Yeah. I think that the waters got really rough. And, and it, it just, like, just tipped the boat. Okay, tipped. yeah. Sure, 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 sure. And it's weird because, you know, I would think they would have a, somebody out, like, monitoring. But I don't know if they could have done it. Well, anyway. I mean, the boat wasn't that far, like... It didn't seem like it was that far out to sea because it was only 90 feet up. So they were probably like, dropped an anchor. Everybody go get some sleep tonight. We'll be up, you know. I I don't know. Can you be up making us breakfast? At 4.30? Yeah, it'll be fine. Oh, that sucks. It's really sad. After this was over and he found out what happened to his friends, Okene vowed he would never go back to the open sea uh, he would just be a cook on solid ground for the rest of his days. A smart decision, I think. I agree. That's so traumatizing, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, and his case is considered a miracle by most people because, mm-hmm. like I said, even uh, rescue divers aren't supposed to stay yeah. underwater without with equipment for that long. Mm-hmm. He had no equipment. How did he... It was a four-foot pocket of air is yeah. all he had. I'm assuming that a lot of it was just based on adrenaline. Because I'm sure he was tired, but at first it's going to be adrenaline because, like, he's trying to find a way out. And then every time you hear a noise, you're going to think it's a shark. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so your adrenaline's going to spike again. Mm-hmm. And so I bet that helped out at least a little bit. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But I just think it's crazy. It was like a four-foot space of air was all he had that was to. just trapped under there yeah and if it, they said they don't know how much how much longer he could have survived because of how little oxygen was left in that because he's breathing the same air yeah yeah um his case is believed to be the longest any human being has survived trapped underwater wow and if you google uh aquanaut it'll talk about you know like i said academics and scientists and then he is considered the accidental aquanaut his case is listed as a person who survived this right 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 right. that's crazy it's wild that's crazy girl i swear oh my gosh is he the only one is he the longest like ever like on purpose or on accident or just like on accident um i don't know about on purpose because i think that they would have like diving equipment yeah that's what i was thinking they'd be able to stay down there longer because they'd be they'd have oxygen to breathe yeah um underwater welders i think do this i don't it's not this long but they're known to be people who have um to worry a lot about decompression sickness mm-hmm. because they spend great amounts of time underwater. So yeah. it's like people who study it, underwater welders, mm-hmm. Harrison O'Kenny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. He is a famous, yeah. That's so insane. That'd be so scary. Now, I actually listen, I've heard this story before. Sorry, I don't mean to burst your bubble. Oh, we already talked it's about okay. it. okay. So I heard this story because I watch... This guy on YouTube who his name's Mr. Ballin on YouTube, and he will talk about um, stories like this where mm-hmm. people were trapped or anything creepy. He has a bunch of different videos that he puts out. He posts like every day, I think. And he was actually some special unit of either the Marines or the Navy. I, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to look it up again. But he says a story about all the training that they had to go through. Mm-hmm. People would ask him, like, oh, what was your training like, blah, blah, blah. And he said the one part to get onto the special team that he had to do was he had to go, essentially have to go into the pool. And then they, you have to sit there for so long 
while your instructors come down and mess with all your equipment and you have to go through and try to fix it without like panicking because it's like if you're underwater and something goes wrong what do you do kind of thing mm-hmm. and he was like he was like I was freaking out about it because I didn't like that like I thought it was he's like it was the most frightening thing to me that I could think of would go wrong underwater and he's like and then he's like I passed and I only passed because I was like well I mean, they're not going to let me die, <laughs> so I might as well. Like, So he was like, so I didn't panic because I was like, well, they're not going to leave me to die here if I can't figure it out, so I can't mm-hmm. panic when they unplug my oxygen and I have to figure out how to plug it back in. Mm-hmm. It was just an interesting story, but he talked about this story, and he, I've seen the video of him yeah. underwater. It's terrifying, Like, and he looks so scared, but yet like, is this a real person? Because I don't. Yeah. I think I would be like, is there actually somebody here to I, save me? I like, think I was hallucinating. Right? I really would. And then the other thing is, too, that they released that video only after people were like, this is fake. <sighs> this didn't happen. Why would you, why would someone make that up? And for what purpose? I don't know. But yeah, the video of the diver, like, finding him yeah. with the hand is there. Um, and I'll put a link to it. And then also, there's a picture of him and the rescue divers. Yeah. And um, he just looks so tired. I'm sure. I bet he and slept all like, like three days like, straight. Yeah, yeah, we, we saved, saved him. him and he's, he's like, like please let me take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that's sad for his crew, though. Um, I, I bet he has, like, survivor's guilt of some sort. You oh, I'm I mean? sure. I'm sure he does. I don't know how you couldn't. If he doesn't, good for him. Yeah. But like, I think that I would feel, be like, well, how did, how uh, did I, sur- I was going to the bathroom. Yeah. Like, is that what saved him? Maybe everyone else got stuck. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the recovery of the well, ship was Well, he was already like. awake. Because you get jostled around at sea a lot, so they might not have even realized they were tipping until they, like, fell out of bed. And then by that point. Depending on which way it tipped, how do you get to your door Mm -hmm. to open it? You know what I mean? Like, you just don't know. Well, they could have been seriously injured in the... Yeah. He was thrown from one stall to Mm -hmm. another. That's insane to me. So who knows what... What happened. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, another reason why... I'm not getting on a boat. Yeah. If I... If it's not... If I can't touch the bottom... Of the boat? Or or swim... Oh, (laughs) With certainty, of the boat. If I can't touch the bottom of the body of water or swim with certainty to the edge, I'm not getting in it. Yeah. Actually, speaking of, you said that guy's training part of it was sitting at the bottom of the pool. Yeah. Um. Dad said he trained with Rusty. Yeah. Rusty was trying to get into some part of some military unit, and they would see how long they could hold their breath underwater because they had to get it for so much time. Yeah. But Dad would do that, and that's why when we go through tunnels driving, he can do it so well. Yeah. Let us know if you hold your breath when you go through tunnels, like the Pittsburgh Tunnel. Because everybody knows what the Pittsburgh Tunnel is. Like when you're driving through a tunnel, like in your car. Yeah. Do you hold your breath? Do you hold your breath when you go through it? Because I thought that was something that everybody did. But I don't think it is. Why do we do it? Just to see if we can do it? I assumed it was a way that mom and dad got us to be quiet when we were little. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah, let us know. Do you guys do that? Do you hold your breath? Or do you, like, pick your feet up when you go over a bridge? Not if you're actually driving. 
My dad holds his breath when he drives through tunnels, though. Mom, Mom did once, and then she almost passed out when we told her she wasn't allowed anymore. Yeah, I mean, you don't do it until you pass out. You just go until you can't breathe anymore, because we don't want wrecks. Don't then, wreck. If you do it, let us know if breathing out counts as cheating. Yeah, if you can breathe in, hold it, and then breathe out and hold it before breathing in, or if you can just, as soon as you let out a breath of it, it's done. Yeah, I want to know the ru- house rules. House so your house car rules. rules. <laughs> the car rules. Anyway... Thank you for that story. Thank you for that terrifying story. Yeah, and I think it's good. Uh, we picked this. I picked this subject. I already had it in mind, but to, today, as we're recording, is the first day of Black History Month. So happy Black History Month! Yes. Uh, and oh, is so, he still alive? Yeah, as far as I know. Yeah, because that was only 2013, and he was 29. So yeah, I think he's a chef on land somewhere. <laughs> so, and he does interviews yeah. once in a while. So um, he, uh, you know, I want to celebrate him through yeah. his ordeal and... yeah oh gosh that's so scary i can't even imagine i can't imagine getting on a boat letting let alone getting in a shipwreck yeah <laughs> all right well we'll post pictures yep um we'll post pictures on our facebook instagram and twitter instagram and twitter are at biar podcast facebook's bug in a rug We'll post Winnie's resources, which will probably include that video if we can't mm-hmm. put the video on our other sources at our website, bugandrug.podbean.com. Let us know about the tunnel question. You can uh, DM us on any of our social media sites. You can also email us, podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, thanks for listening, and um, stay safe. In the snowstorm. Social distance. Yeah. Stay off of boats. Yeah. And uh, don't get the bins. Don't get the bins. The bins to me sounds like just like really bad diarrhea for some reason. I feel like it sounds like alcohol poisoning. <laughs> anyway. All right. Signing off. I'm Caitlin. I'm Whitney. Bye. Our time. More time.